We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, it is another Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast here on KCSN. I am John Kurtz, joined by Aaron Lockett, former K-State wide receiver. Boy, there is a lot going on in the world of K-State and the Big 12. If you're a K-State fan right now, there's a ton to keep up with. Uh, the Big 12 has added four new teams. K-State is 2-0, and and the Wildcats are knocking on the door of the top 25. But now we've got quarterback injury issues to talk about yet again. It feels like last year all over again. But, man. So a lot going on. I tell you what, Aaron, uh, I know you were in Manhattan this weekend. I was obviously uh, at the game on Saturday. Between like Friday, the new additions to the Big 12, Saturday, um, we have the game. We have Skyler's injury. Gene Taylor talked at halftime about everything going on with the Big 12. It was like my head was spinning by the time I got done on Saturday with just everything that's happening right now. So it's, uh, it's, it's a lot. There's a lot on the plate of everybody right now. No, I, I agree. I think we always talked about the biggest concern that we had as, as K-State guys is, can we keep Skyler? Skyler is going to be the glue to the offense. And I think we even saw that early on. And so we'll get into the game here shortly. But the atmosphere is electric. It was nice to be in Bill Stadium. It was great to see former players. Um, happy to be in the stands. But, man, I didn't expect it to be that close or even behind at times. But we found ourselves fighting. We learned a lot about a lot of players um, through adversity. But, man, we got to win. We're 2-0. That's what's important. And uh, we've got a new test coming up with Nevada. So, so man, where do we go from here? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. Uh, good point on the fact that the, like that was, yes, the first full capacity crowd home game for a lot of these players. I, I thought that was one of the interesting things to hear from, like Will Howard, Deuce Vaughn had not played in front of a fully packed Bill Snyder family stadium yet. So that was that was a cool experience. You could tell those guys really appreciated it. But yeah, uh, it, it was a close game. K-State wins um, 31 to 23. They trailed at one point 23 to 21. Yep. And it seemed like, I mean, to me, it was a close game, but it felt like if Skylar Thompson doesn't get hurt, K-State was going to roll in that game. It felt like they came out pretty crisp, pretty sharp. Chris Kleiman said afterwards that like he purposely they, they took the ball first because the offense had practiced so well. They felt really good about where things were going. Um, they came out and scored. They eventually still build a 21-3 lead, even with Howard taking over at quarterback there. And it, it seemed like everything was fine. Clearly, turnovers were the difference, and I, I, it felt to me – I'll see what you think about this, but it felt to me like a combination of some shock over the Skyler injury, the fact that it was a non-contact injury and everybody right. saw him down, and turnovers happening really just compounded and, and kind of snowballed on, on everybody, and that's how all of a sudden you have a 23-21 to 21 deficit at halftime. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, you know, Skyler's injury kind of took the wind out of the sail – 
you know, people were kind of shocked and people started looking down the line like, is this a repeat from last year? Where do we go next? Um, obviously, for Will Howard, he felt comfortable coming in, but obviously the offensive change, right? We got way more conservative, didn't push the ball down the field as much. And when we did, unfortunately, we got interceptions. And so we, st we found ourselves running east and west with running backs by committee, um, with Deuce taking a fair share of the carries. But things definitely changed when Will came in. But early on when Skyler was playing, um, they started off the game with this double cross route that we used to run with Quincy Morgan and myself. And it was, uh, you know, the tight end goes basically to the end pile line. And here comes, you know, the other receiver to the end pile line. And we ended up finding um, a deep shot, you know, 41 yarder uh, to Malik Knowles. And I think that really got it started. I felt that was going to generate some momentum after that. Now, obviously, we ran another crossing route. Um, and I think we threw it behind him. They intercepted it. So once again, kind of let us down a little bit. But I think Styler was just getting comfortable. You know, you got to realize he hasn't played in a very long time, consistent games, right? And so he's just now getting back into the swing of it. And so he's going to be a little bit um, conservative when he throws some of those balls. But I think he was learning through trial and error through those first two games. But the injury, man, it hit us hard. And it's going to be interesting to see uh, how we propel going next. Yeah, and I, I felt like the the players. It seemed like climbing and the players after the game really did kind of admit that 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 took the wind out of their sails. Like that did kind of throw everybody for a loop, and it it didn't. It obviously didn't totally immediately because they went down and scored, not just finish off the first drive, but then they scored on the next drive that they had. Yep. But after that, it was just like, and to me, I, I hate I hate railing on this too much because it was Deuce Vaughn. It was his first fumble since his sophomore year of high school. But that that was a, a really big play, it felt like, in the game that flipped the momentum and all of a sudden gave SIU some hope. That's, again, an eighth-ranked team in FCS that is clearly confident, clearly believes in itself. And once they right. had that sliver of hope and they knew the quarterback's gone, like it felt like all of a sudden K-State's on the ropes a little bit. That was a huge tide-turning play and tide-turning moment. But, again, not going to crush Deuce, and he, after the game, was the first to step up there and be like, man, that is unacceptable. That cannot happen. I am not, I never want to fumble again. And it had been, again, years since he had actually done it, but that, that did to me feel like a huge play early in the game. Well, obviously, it was a turnover in our own territory, right? And so regardless if it's an interception or a fumble, that's going to actually hurt on field position. I think, but also, you know, if you think about it, running Deuce up the middle is probably not his ideal play every now and then. And so he runs into the back of a lineman waiting to find the hole come around the backside. And of course the guys are going to chop from the back end. And so that's kind of what the play looked like. Um, it's good that it happened now, if it's going to happen. So as you get in the big 12 play, he gets more comfortable with knowing that, okay, they're going to come start trying to chop because if they try to just tackle them, they have a tough time doing that. And so you now start to see them try to pull the ball, get turnovers. And so, you know, for us, you know, Deuce has been very efficient. And so I don't think that's anything of a concern moving forward. Right. But it's something that it's always nice to hit the reset button and say, okay, these, this is how the guys are going to play me now. And this is just a second year. And so he's still getting acclimated how defenses are going to start trying to attack him and figure out how do we get a way to conserve him and, and tackle him and, and maybe get him to get turnovers. And so they'll try all kind of different things. And so he's just going to have to be well-versed and like, okay, what's coming next and how are they going to prepare for me? Yeah, and credit to him for handling the load offensively because he had oh, to. God. yeah. I mean, at that point, you know, Will really started to struggle. Will Howard, a quarterback – and so they had to let Deuce shoulder most of the load. He had 26 carries. And I do think that that is proving some of the versatility that he has. And I, I think some of the stigma, I know he was talking um, earlier today as we record this on Tuesday, about how he does feel like he catches people by surprise with how well he can run between the tackles or down by the goal line. Um, and, and Chris Kleiman has tried to beat that point down. Like, hey, this is not just a scat back. Like, this is somebody that can be a full-time running back. I, I do think 
he's he's gone a long way toward answering some of those questions the first two weeks in particular in a game where like look will was clearly not comfortable he threw a couple of passes that probably should have been intercepted in addition to the pick six that he did throw they they had to go lean on him and he he answered the bell man and, and he found the end zone at the end of the game to give k-state the the touchdown that they needed yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I think Deuce is more effective when you give him a draw when the defense is not waiting on it. I think when it's third and five and you know you're going to hand it out in the I formation, that's rough for any tailback, you know. And so, right. like I said, I've, I've seen Deuce run between the tackles. He gets through there. Once he gets loose into the secondary, it's pretty much over. And so, once again, another 100-yard game, productive. Um, he's just one of those guys that's making a difference for us. He's what I call a home run hitter. And so, Malik Knowles is starting to show up in that light, too. So we've got to find a way to continue to get him the ball, right? Nearly had 100 yards in the first half. Like, that's the game I wanted to see from Malik. Big plays down the field, stretching it, get him on a short out route. Like, they really started to use him in the way that I wanted to see them use him consistently. And so I think he's building confidence as well. And so whether it's Skyler or Will Howard, we've got to find a way to get our playmakers the ball. And so that's going to be on the coaches and on the players to make that happen. But they're going to have to because the competition will get stiffer moving forward. Yeah, and I, I will say just a quick note on Malik Knowles. One thing that was very encouraging to me is hearing that he was a guy that stood up in the locker room at halftime and said, like, hey, we, we can't be doing this. We have to get our stuff together. And that is a another little tick in the column of leadership for him that, that's been talked about a lot. And he clearly has grown a ton in that in that area. And look, I mean, they may need some of that from other guys offensively because Will Howard is still young. And it just seemed to me like his, his confidence did come unraveled a bit in the game. Um, I guess we'll see what you thought about that. But felt like when things when there was no adversity at first, he scores a touchdown. They go on a 10-play, 56-yard touchdown drive to back that up. Two scores. Everything looks good. It seemed like he was sharp. The ball was coming out of his arm, I thought, better than it did last year. But then when once there was some adversity, yeah. it seemed to snowball pretty quickly. And I, I think that seems to me to, – to me – the non-trained football eye from the outside. That seems to be the the deal right now with, with Will is can you handle adversity when something doesn't go your way? And can you keep that confidence that, hey, you, you are a good quarterback, you've got a good arm, and you're very right. athletic. Um, there are a lot of things to like there, but it's it's just not making the mistake right now that, that is killing him. The biggest, the biggest concern is turnovers. I, th I think that right there um, shuts down the confidence. And so when you throw an interception, you flip field position, they get a chance to have the ball after just having the ball. I think that is the one thing that we have to make sure that we control. And so that's going to you know, change the play calling. If you're throwing interceptions, we're obviously going to run the ball, right? But then the problem is the defense knows you're going to run the ball. And so now they've got man-to-man. -man, they put more of the front seven across the line, and it makes it harder to get first downs. And so we're going to have to throw the ball, regardless of who's in there, in order to move the chains. And so running is something that we can do, but we can't lean on it 100%. Uh, these teams are just too smart nowadays. We have too much talent on the outside, whether it's using a tight end across the middle. We've got to find a way to move the chains. And maybe we don't hit the deep post or maybe the deep comeback, but maybe we start hitting like the curl routes or something that's more of a concept. Hit the curl and flat or hit the out route, something that he feels comfortable throwing to where it's either the receiver catching it or it's the incomplete pass. But throwing across the middle of the field on the dig route, it's just too much right now. You know, if it's, if it's not thrown on time and it's, and it's a high throw and it goes over the receiver, then it hits the safety interception and that loses field position. So we've got to think about the routes that works best for Will now based on his confidence. And then as that builds, maybe we take a shot down the field later on. Yeah, and I would say here, it, just to get everybody totally up to speed on what's going on, he, he is the guy, like he's going to be the, the starting quarterback this week. Um, the good news on Skylar Thompson's injury is that it is not going to be season ending, which obviously is what you feared when it happened. And 
just from seeing that it was non-contact, seeing Skyler's reaction, seeing Chris Kleiman's reaction where he's he's crying right next to, to Skyler. Um, you can understand the fear everybody had there. But it's not going to be an immediate comeback. They're calling him week to week right now, um, but not going to be season ending. I would just say that I, I am hoping that by Oklahoma or Iowa State, which is game five, game six, you may see Skylar Thompson back. Um, that would be what I could really share on the injury front for him right now. But it means that for now you're going to have to figure it out. Um, and, and that is going to be Will Howard's to, to lose unless Jaron Lewis can take it from him. That's the other thing. A, a lot of people have asked about Jake Rubley, who right. is a, a true freshman, four-star quarterback. He was a lot of hype coming in. But you have to keep in mind, one, again, a true freshman, and two, he had virtually no senior season of high school because the Colorado State Athletics Association didn't let him have a season. He tried to transfer to Iowa and then got declared ineligible. So he really missed out on a full year of high school development. Then he had an injury in fall camp. Uh, so Climate even flat out said today he's just he's just really not ready right now. So you're looking at Will Howard and Jaron Lewis be, being the guys moving forward here. Yeah. So there's two things here. Um, you know, for Will Howard, it, it's all about confidence, right? And so the, the thing here's a silver lining in in Skyler's injury. The fact that he's not out for the year mentally should prepare him to be involved into the game plan. And so because of that, I expect him to be right next to Will Howard in his ear, telling him what he's seeing on the field, helping him make that transition. Different than last year where you know you're not going back in the game for the rest of the season. You don't always mentally check out, but it's harder to help the players because you're like, I know I'm not going to get out there again. And so the right. fact that Skyler's going to get out there, hopefully that brings some confidence that Will has him by his side mixed in with Colin Klein and saying, okay, this is what we have to do. All three of those quarterbacks have similarities, right? They all are pretty tall. They all can run. And so there are some things that Will's going to have to take from Skyler's game to implement it into his. But ultimately, the biggest thing for him is control the ball, you know, get rid of the turnovers. And I think from there, we have a chance. But here's the thing about um, next week that's going to be a little bit concerning is Nevada can score, right? Nevada has a quarterback. Rubio on the outside as a, uh, Romeo as a receiver. Um, they're going to put up some points or at least try to, right? And so – we're not going to be able to just hold the ball unless we score first and control the game. But outside of that, we're going to have to find a way to get some points. And so once again, we're going to have to go back and utilize Brooks and utilize, you know, our receivers and tight ends to make sure that we can move the change and then catch Deuce. Once, once again, those one-on-one -on -one matchups is what we're looking for. And then we're going to have to score as we need to. Yeah. You bring up a really good point about Nevada. That's a good team. Um, if you go look at the, the AP top 25 right now, K-State is outside of it, but receiving votes, K-State is 33 Nevada's 34. So they're, yep. they're right there. Carson Strong, just this week, CBS Sports put out a couple of mock drafts. One had him as the number one that. overall pick, and <laughs> one had him as the number two overall pick. So yeah. he's legit. Like, this is a dude, and they have a lot of big receivers, like 6'3", 6 6'4", 6 uh, kind of receivers that they're going to bring to town. They've already beaten Cal, Power 5 opponent, uh, earlier this year. So, like, they're, they're legitimate. This is a team that can win. And, look, Vegas thinks that. I mean, Vegas has uh, Nevada as the early favorite. They opened as a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. So, you're right. K-State is – I don't know that you're going to win a total shootout with anybody right now if, if Skylar Thompson is not going to be the quarterback. But you should be prepared to score some points. Uh, I, I don't know that 20, 21 points is going to win this game. You're probably looking at trying to hit 30 to, to get a victory in this one with Nevada. It, but – I will say, on the flip side, we talk so much about offense because a lot of the conversation focuses on the quarterback. K-State's defense, especially in the second half, did play some impressive football in that game. Man, Felix Anadike getting after the quarterback with a couple of strip sacks. Um, they they did a good job against what's a pretty potent Southern Illinois offense, too. And 
the defense does not deserve to get overshadowed the way that it did really uh, so far here on the show with the way that they played. Yeah. Um, once again, you know, this week, one thing I am excited about is our strong suit is starting to become our secondary. And so the fact that they throw the ball will start to challenge some of our secondary players. And so, you know, anxious to see what Julius can do on the outside, echo on the outside. Um, you know, Jerron, J-Mac is coming down, continuously making plays. Um, this is going to be a situation where the ball is going to get thrown a lot. And so they're going to have to put themselves in positions to really make some plays. PBUs get their hands on the balls, get some turnovers, and help our offense out where they can. And from there, we've got to get some momentum going and see what we can do overall as a, as a team. Well, if you show up uh, what you should on on Saturday, Bill Snyder Family Stadium. You, you will likely see a game. I think you're gonna you're gonna see a very good game. Honestly, an underrated game. Big picture in the college football weekend. It's not it's not the best week uh, weekend nationally as far as the slate of games is concerned. This is a sneaky good game between K State and Nevada. So if you're headed out there, make sure and grab your 360 vodka, 360 vodka and Holiday Distillery. Those guys are awesome, and they they help support everything here at KCSN, including lock it up with Kurtz here. Uh, been saying it the whole time, man. These early morning tailgates, you can go. Uh, you can go get your Bloody Mary on. You can go get your <laughs> screwdriver on. It won't be quite as early this time around. It's it's the old. It's the one o'clock kickoff. I'm actually, I'm glad you're here, Aaron, because that it seemed like back in your day there was still some of that right at the beginning of the year because that was Bill Snyder's preferred kickoff time. He always it wanted was. to kick at one if possible. But TV gets in the way of that sometimes. This is the this is the Bill Snyder special here, one o'clock kick. Yeah, the one o'clock game is a sweet game, right? You you don't sleep in too late, but you're able to get out of there before nighttime. Those night games, you're waiting all day to play. And sometimes watching those games and people perform kind of sways the way you play, right? It, it changes your momentum because, you know, some people uh, is having a good game. Somebody, you know, may have gotten hurt. And so it just kind of messes up your mind a little bit. But those one o'clock games, it's like get up at 730, get some breakfast, get your mind right before you know it, it's 1030. You're on the field, sweat and come one o'clock, it's time to roll. Well, you can, uh, whatever it is that you want, craft cocktails, batch drinks, infusions, 360 as your drink of choice. Stock up on the 360 vodka, the only vodka responsible enough to carry the world on its shoulders and uh, bring it out to Bill Snyder Family Stadium for the game. Speaking of that, one of the guys that will be out there is Echo Boydo, K-State corner, who is having a great season and is really a remarkable story. A guy who stuck around when he wasn't playing much early in his career and the light switch flipped on at Oklahoma last year, and he has been tremendous ever since then. Uh, we're going to get a chance to catch up with him here on Lock It Up with Kurtz. All right, Echo. Well, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to to join us here on Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast. Obviously, I know things are busy. It's a crazy, uh, crazy season going on right now. But look, I think it's a you're you're a great story on a number of levels. Like how you wound up at K State, you had to wait your time before you actually got here on the field. One of the things that, like, if folks out there are unfamiliar with this and don't know the story, like you escaped out of Lawrence, man. Somehow you got to Manhattan from Lawrence. <laughs> how, how did that happen? Right. How did you wind up uh, wearing purple uh, growing up in Lawrence? Man, I mean, so to start, uh, I really, when I was young, I really grew grew up around uh, Kansas football. One of my friends, his dad actually coached at KU, so I was always around uh, KU football. But uh, so throughout high school, like, I always thought, like, I would play at KU. Like, that's what I always thought. <laughs> um, and, I mean, so K-State, they – they were the first school to show me love. Uh, KU followed after a little bit. Uh, so I had Coach Siler. Uh, he he was the first one to hit me up, uh, gave me the offer. And then um, following that, actually a day after 
a day after I went to KU camp and I got the offer uh, after K-State had offered me. So really, like, I just felt like KU just threw me the offer just to give it to me because yeah. before then, before then, I didn't hear anything from them. And after they offered me, I also didn't hear anything from them. And K-State K was just like, they were just always on my line. So they were showing showing the most love. So I just fell in love with the family uh, atmosphere and I'm here now. Yeah, we've got some similarities. You know, um, I like Blake. So Blake's at ODU right now doing a wonderful job out there. But when I was coming out of high school, I was going to go to KU too. And so I don't know if K-State no wow. Nation really knows that, but I wanted to get away from where my brother went. I wanted to set my own trend. And so Glenn Mason was there and Glenn came and watched me play in high school. And I had three touchdowns, two picks and five catches. And I like, I'm about to there you go. I had a Jayhawk, I had a Jayhawk uh, jacket back in school. And so the next thing I know, he went to Minnesota and he wanted me to come to Minnesota. And I said, not a chance. And heck, I'm going to Minnesota. And so I, I kicked KU out the map, came down to UCLA, Tennessee and Kansas State. And obviously coming from Oklahoma, I've never been to California. So that was a little bit out of the question. And Tennessee, Peyton Manning was leaving. And so K-State it is, which is the best choice I ever made. So glad to have you on board, man, as part of the Wildcats. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm glad to be here, man. It's a great experience. Yeah. So tell me a little bit. We're going to jump into the game mode, the game that just passed. Tell me about the atmosphere. How did the stadium feel? Tell me about uh, the fans that was rocking, because I was there and I was really impressed with it. Yeah. I mean, this was like my first experience of having a full, full crowd. Ah. So, I mean, it was, you know, you get the chills <laughs> when you're running out. It's a great feeling, man. Just having the fans like Kansas State. I mean, you know that the fans, the fans love K-State football. So, I mean, it's just it's just great to to experience that. Like it's just, it was just a lot of fun, a lot of fun. We have the best fans in the country, most definitely. Yeah, and I mean, like how how weird – this is something I don't feel like we've asked you guys a lot about last year. Like what? how weird was that experience last year with like all the, the crowds, even going on the road and stuff where there's just not that many people there? Like that had to be a pretty jarring experience from what you're typically used to. Right. I mean, like just – like I, I never got to experience like the big rowdy uh, fans. So – so from my experience, I mean, I didn't see, I didn't know the difference. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I just went out there. I mean, and played. I didn't really even think of all the outside stuff. Uh, I was just kind of thrown in there, like we all know. Uh, so, yeah, I wasn't even really thinking or paying attention to any of the fans or anything like that. Well, yeah. Okay. So you bring up being thrown thrown out there, right? And I think that's what's such a right. cool part of your story, like. Last year, you guys are getting ready to go to Oklahoma. You you haven't really mm -hmm. been out on the field. There are COVID issues with the the defensive backs, and all of a sudden, man, it's Spencer Rattler. It's like a five star quarterback there. <laughs> You're taking on yeah. Lincoln Riley, like this crazy offense. Nobody believes in you at all, and all of a sudden, you go out there and like you guys played great. You individually played yeah. great. Like what? Take me through that. What what was that like? Like finding out first of all that you were going to play, and and then what the game was actually like. Um, actually, so. That week, that Oklahoma week, I was actually doing scout team uh, wide receiver uh, the first two two days, I think, of the week. And then I figured out that uh, two two of the guys, two of the starters went down with COVID, uh, and I was just thrust into the role. And I just – I think it was a 
I think it was a Wednesday. So I got like one real practice uh, uh, starting. So, um, man, I just I was just blessed for the opportunity because I felt like I should be out there uh, before before that actually happened. But I'm just blessed. I'm just blessed. Yeah, what I what I will say is I've had a chance to watch you these last two games and I see the confidence coming. I see you look very comfortable out there, right? And so I don't know how much you know about K-State's real history around defensive backs, but you talk about the Chris Cannies and the Joe Gordons, Demetrius Butlers, the Terrence Newmans. Like there's a there's a, a lineage of of DBs that's come through Kansas State, right? And so you know, to put you out there and be on an island by yourself is something that's that's incredible. As a receiver, I love to see that one-on-one man-to-man coverage. But tell me about your thought process when you get a receiver and you know you're locked up man-to-man. What are you thinking? Um, call it third and seven. Um, what are you thinking as far as route-wise? route And what are you thinking about coverage? Um, third and seven, man. So at third and seven, man, I'm definitely thinking, and I'm playing man coverage, uh, third and seven. I'll probably play bounce technique, thinking they're throwing the stick route. Okay. Throwing sticks uh, for sure. But in man coverage, like I feel very, very comfortable. Yeah. I feel like that press man especially, uh, that's definitely my my go-to. Um, I feel the most, uh, most comfortable in press. Uh, I have no problem playing man coverage. I love it. Yeah. That answer lets me know that you are a speed guy. And let you know that you trust your right. feet a little bit. There you so, go. I remember seeing on Twitter in the spring, and I'm gonna ask you because I'm a speed guy. Are you a four three mm-hmm. nine guy or a four four guy? Because there's a difference right there, right? Just like five eleven six foot. Which one are you? Which right. one are you? Four three nine or four, four, four three one? Eight. Four three eight. Four three eight. <laughs> okay, welcome yeah. to the club. Then that's what I'm talking about. I appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. So okay, hoping I'll to get that, that down too. Hoping to get that down too. There you go. I like there it. Right. I like it. Well, okay. So on that front. You're listed at six foot. Are you are you five eleven or are you six foot if we were to, to measure you right I'm, now? I'm six foot. Okay. I'm six foot for sure. That's that's the I right like, answer. I like the confidence. I can tell you a DB right now. <laughs> that's, um, there you go. That's the right there answer, man. Well, so like what I mean, then you've got a guy like Julius Brents who's like six three, six four. Like how, how much right. different differently do you have to play like technique wise as a corner as opposed to a guy like Julius who has that that kind of size and length? Um I mean, I feel like I have long arms too. So, uh, so we share the same same thing with having long arms. So, I mean, in press coverage, I feel like I don't think I don't think Julius like has something over me because I also have long mm-hmm. arms. So it's like, so we both compare in that way. Uh, but I mean, against taller receivers, taller, bigger receivers, I mean, he might have. He might have a just the physical presence, uh, just to show that he he is uh, he's just a long guy, and just to just to make the guys scared to throw it his way just by his physical presence. But other than that, I feel like we share the same uh, traits with having long arms. Yeah. You feel like you feel like teams are kind of thrown away from you right now. I mean, it seems like honestly, you have the respect of, of just about everybody that you go up against at this point. Right. Uh, I feel like that's that's because, like, like I said, I love pressing. So so and I play I feel like I play very tight, tight coverage. So I feel like the quarterbacks um, seem to just just look me off and then go the other way. So, I mean, that's a compliment to me. Yeah. Yeah. Your front. I'm excited to to get. 
Yeah, your front step that? is doing an amazing job thus far as well. There you go. That's that's big time. And so I want to think exactly. about the game that just happened over the weekend. So so when the quarterback goes down, Skyler in this in this uh, instance, what does that do to the defense, right? Because now your captain of the offense has gone down, and you guys understand you got to step up. And then moving forward um, with Will Howard coming in, the defense is now going to get a little bit more pressure to say, okay, we need field position, we need stops, right? What's the thought yeah. process from a defensive standpoint around? Okay, how can we make sure that we uh, we bring this up for the team? Right. I mean, Skyler. I mean, he's the he's the leader of the team for sure. Uh, Missing him, not having him is definitely tough on us, but I feel like it's also brought like brought our team just closer yep. and just just made us all have to step up. Um, so I feel like for this week and like weeks coming until he he gets back, uh, like we just what what coaches said is we all just got to pick it up a level, pick it up a notch. Uh, so I feel like I feel like. Will Will Howard will do just fine, yeah. um, and and on the defensive side, we'll all step up our game. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see. Well, yeah. you guys deserve a ton of credit for the way you played in the second half. I mean, just to to lock them down after the way things kind of got out of control there at the end of the first half. Like, what what are you guys saying in the locker room? What's what's being said there to kind of get everybody back on the same page? Because clearly, it it, it works really well. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was, it was definitely chaos, uh, when Skyler went down, uh, just, just guys, just, I mean, Skyler goes down and changes the whole, the whole feel of the game. Cause you know, we have some, so much confidence in Skyler. Um, but I mean, in, during halftime, we just told us, told ourselves, we all got to step up, uh, and do this for Skyler. Um, so there wasn't much said. I mean, we all know when Skyler goes down, a guy like Skyler, someone we need on our team, uh, someone that just makes a big difference in our team. Uh, we all got to step it up. And I think we all just kind of knew that. So, yeah. yeah. I got one question here before we let you go. So Van Malone, Van Malone's an ex-player. Um, I love Van Malone because Van's all about leadership, right? Like he connects with his right. guys. And so tell me, what's the yeah. benefit of having a coach that's played the game? He's been around for a long time, does an excellent job relating. Um, how much has that helped you as a player coming in um, to a big program like this and being able to to elevate your game? Um, like you said, I mean, Van Malone, uh, he was drafted, I think, in the second round. Yeah. So so he, he definitely – knows the game just having someone that that's been through what you're going through yeah um is definitely just a plus uh just teaching us just little little things like technique things um and just just knowing the game even more and not not only just on the field but off off the field yeah. things uh like just just telling us all his experiences uh helping us learn from his experiences uh Coach Malone is he's he's a great guy. Uh yeah. Yeah, that's sure. awesome to hear, man. Well, tell you what, man, for me, man, big fan, man. Keep working hard, keep doing what you do. Use that 438. Is that what you told me? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, Use sir. that 438, man. Lazy. Like said, we uh we're all K-State guys, so we're rooting for you, man. Appreciate you joining. John, any last thoughts with Echo? No, that's that's pretty much it. I you know, I, the one last little thing I was gonna ask about Van is, is are his crawfish legit? Because I hear all this stuff about his crawfish and like him and Coach True going back and forth on who's better. So yeah. That might be the real question here. Who, who's better? Who's better at cooking the crawfish? 
Um, Don't honestly, do it. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't been able to experience either of the either of the crawfish. But hearing from from players, uh, <laughs> I've I, I've heard that Coach Trues is better. Wow. But, okay. But I haven't. I haven't been able to experience that. But. Well, that was they both. They both take great pride in in their crawfish and their seasoning. So, yeah. Well, that, that was a very smart way to frame it. That it's not you; it's <laughs> yeah. everybody else. So you're you're off yeah. the hook. You're off the hook. Right. Hey, man. <laughs> I, I echo everything Aaron said. Um, echo, really appreciate you coming on. Definitely rooting for you. It's been awesome to see you know how you've really ascended within this program, man. Thanks a ton. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate the opportunity. All right. Take care. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.